The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you'll see two videos at the top of the page. <clears throat> the one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you miss that and you want to watch it, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And uh, at that time, he'll be live in that little area right there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you've got. And then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. It's good to see you guys this morning uh, there in the chat as well. Um, also, we are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That is the channel. Please subscribe over there. Help us build up the channel a little bit. I don't know what the building up of the channel is. Uh, <laughs> when you have, I don't know, more than 17,000 followers over there, but only 53 people watching. Of course, it, it is 6 in the morning here uh, if you're on the East Coast. It's 6 in the morning. So, you know, some of that I kind of get. And, and the numbers do grow a little bit. Uh, but uh, if you ask me, I think uh, Rumble is falling in the same trap as every one of these these big name um, uh, video platforms, and that is their shadow banning and censoring and all that other. Uh, that's just my opinion. That's what I think. It's my opinion. I'm going to stick to it. Uh, we're also streaming live to BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there, and we appreciate those guys giving us a spot. Right up under where we're streaming live on Sons of Liberty Radio or Sons of Liberty Media.com is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, these are all the, the articles we put out for the day at Sons of Liberty Media.com, and that includes the morning show archive. So, all of these scriptures, all of these videos and audios that you're going to hear today will be in there. So, if you find something, you say, Hey, I need to get that out to people, I want to share that with people, all that's going to be available in the archive. Okay. So, if you want those things, Sign up for the newsletter. You'll get that tonight, or you can go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Later on today, it'll be up there. Uh, finally, if you would like, if you agree with our message, you'd like to help keep us out there doing what we're doing, um, there's a donate button at, at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or partner with us monthly. 
as a son or daughter of liberty and guys we really do appreciate uh your support of what we do here at the sons of liberty we really do okay so today <clears throat> you know uh, there's there's so much i have going on in my mind concerning the lawless money uh that we have and i I've expressed this in several shows uh, with how we deal with usury. You know, our whole system is built on that. We, we've talked about the fact that constitutional money is supposed to be gold and silver. And that God says he, that an unjust weight and measurement, which can apply to money, uh, is an abomination. So, you know, yesterday we talked about the transdelusionals and how that's an abomination. We've talked about the sodomites, how that's an abomination. We've talked about the shedding of innocent blood. That's an abomination. And there is a, you know, God calls a lying tongue that. So there's more than just the usual things that people talk about with that. Lawless money is, is part of that. And sadly, the United States has adopted both usury, which we're going to see just a little bit of here, as part of its whole system of economy of the, of its economy you you stop and think about it when you put into a 401k how do you make your money through interest of it being invested with somebody else and they're going to pay it back or through bank loans or whatever the case may be if you've got money in a savings in a bank how do you make money? You're getting interest. You're getting usury because they take your money and they loan it out to your fellow countrymen, which we're going to see in a minute is not what we're supposed to be doing. And you make money. So we're all tangled up in the lawless money. Uh, and we're also tangled up in the usury uh, effect of that. And all of this ends up bringing a curse on us is what it does. That's, we're going to see some of that in a minute. But I want to start out today. You know, Catherine Austin, Austin Fitz, if you don't know who she is, she used to be um, at, uh, at, at the federal or the U.S. Department of Housing and Development, or HUD. Um, and uh, she, you know, exposed some things that were going on there, <clears throat> especially in the housing market, the fraud that was going on that eventually led to uh, the bubble. I think it was like in 2006, 2000, I think it was 2008. Uh, the housing bubble bursting. And um, she recently had done a report about missing money, unaccounted for money that the federal government has spent and can't tell you what they did with it. And it's not like, you know, they misplaced $100 or something. That's not what it is. This is a total of $21 trillion. $21 trillion the U.S. government can't give an account for where it went, what it got spent on, who got it. Now, let me give you a little picture of what that actually is because $21 trillion is, a, I don't know if you've seen some of these images of what a trillion dollars looks like. It's ridiculous. But they'll take, uh, you can find them online, they'll be um, little pallets of money. And I think they said each pallet was like a million dollars. This is the diagram they were doing. And they were like filling up a warehouse for, for like a, a trillion dollars. It was just, it was a ridiculous amount of money. And then they showed you the national debt, which at that time was like 18 or 19 trillion, I think is when I saw it, something like that. 
And it was just enormous. There, there's just, you know, how you, you think in your mind, how in the world could a people ever pay that back? How could they do that? Well, it's, it's almost, in, you know, an unpayable debt. And when you're tacking on interest to that, and, and keep in mind that money is fiat money. We've talked about that before. We've read from the Federal Reserve's own document that that money is basically worthless unless you think it's worth something. Otherwise, it's just a piece of paper. And because Americans think that the dollar is actually worth something in and of itself, it has intrinsic value, then that money's not going to be worth, I mean, it's not going to be usable because nobody's going to count it in any value. But because people want to play Monopoly with Monopoly money in real life, that's where we're at. Okay. So um, Catherine had uh, written and done, a, she presented a video program on this, and it's about an hour and a half. You'll be able to see it at sonsoflibertymedia.com. We've got the link there. But here's, here's what she asks. What's going on? Where's the money? How could this happen? How much has really gone missing? What would happen if a corporation failed to pass an audit like this one, the one that she's, she's talking about? Or even a taxpayer. What would happen if, if you couldn't give an account for your, you know, I don't know, if you're in my case, your measly $48,000 a year or whatever? What, what, what would happen to you? You'd be in big trouble, wouldn't you? I mean, if the IRS came to audit you. Not the federal government. They don't even have to give an account. Nobody's going to be arrested. Nobody's going to be thrown in jail. Nobody's going to have to repay it back. None of that kind of stuff. She says, this means the Fed and their member banks are transacting, transacting government money outside the law. Well, yeah, it's because it's lawless money. If they're going to be lawless in, their, in, the, in the very money they have, then yeah, they're going to transact outside the law too. So are the corporate contractors that run the payment systems. So are the Wall Street firms who are selling government securities without full disclosure. Would your banks continue to handle your bank account if you behave like this? Would your investors continue to buy your securities if you behave like this? Would your accountant be silent? This is the reason that there is such a strong push to change or tear up the U.S. Constitution. This is why, well, the, the, for all intents and purposes, the Constitution is just words to them. It's words on a piece of paper that's sitting in their building um, under some glass, and they don't. They don't abide by it. It isn't just in the money issue either. This is why members of the establishment say it is old and outdated. This is why there is such a push for gun control. Don't buy it. We can use the Constitution to get our money, our government back, if or it is time to enforce that Constitution. And uh, she has obviously been covering this missing money since 2000. Uh, when she began to warn Americans and global investors about mortgage fraud at the U.S. Department of Housing and Development, or HUD, the engineering of the housing bubble that led to trillions more dollars in bailouts and funds missing from the U.S. government starting in fiscal year 1998. So this has been going on for more than two decades, and I, I would suggest it's probably been going on a lot longer than that. But because of inflation and because of the rate of interest of our debt, we're just we're seeing astronomical numbers and people just I mean, 
Ron Paul wrote about the debt ceiling yesterday, uh, which you can read at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And Congress continually pushing this stuff. How many of you guys remember Paul Ryan pushing that junk? Oh, the fiscal cliff, the fiscal cliff, the fiscal cliff. We've got to raise the debt ceiling. What are the American people going to say? You know what? We're tired of being slaves to your debt. The Bible teaches us in Deuteronomy 28 that debt is a curse. It is a curse. It's not a blessing. It's a curse. And here we are as a country, $30 trillion in debt. $30 trillion. I can't, I don't, I, how do you even fathom what that is? And we're going to look at some of that in a minute. In case you think it's all Democrats building up that debt, I'm going to show you who's giving you the biggest debt. Some of you are going to be surprised. Well, let's start at the starting point. The day before 9-11, 2001, when America was attacked, and I would say if it wasn't our own government doing it, our own government was complicit in it. Okay? And the day before, Donald Rumsfeld, who's now gone to his reward, and it probably is not a good one, came on television and announced that $2.3 trillion the Pentagon couldn't account for. Here's what he had to say. <clears throat> And let me bring it up here, and he will start talking. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. $2.3 trillion, with a T. By the, by the way, the next day, obviously the Pentagon was blown up in the section. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. $2.3 trillion. And again, for people who say, oh, you know, if you say 9-11 is an inside job and all this kind of stuff, you're a conspiracy. Well, fine. That's fine. If, you, if that's what you want to say. But you have to you have to bury your head in the sand, something ridiculous. To hear a man say $2.3 trillion we can't account for. And the very next day, the area of the Pentagon where all those records are stored was hit. What are the chances of that? There is no chance it would happen. It was done on purpose. And my understanding is there's some ties to the WTC building where investigations were going on regarding this as well. Nevertheless, that's $2.3 trillion by the Pentagon. The same Pentagon that's been working with Bill Gates, the same Pentagon that's been um, <clears throat> working with the, the, the COVID shots and all of this other stuff. Same Pentagon, okay, using the lawless money and spending us into debt but you're told you're told this is for defense the pentagon's for defense defense of who not the american people not the american people and you remember donald trump had signed that omnibus bill huge spending oh i'll never do it again and then he went and did it again he says oh we got to do it so we have security national security yeah Anyway, you can see Catherine's um, <clears throat> response to all this at the Slurry Report. And again, we've got uh, a link to that that you'll be able to check out. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to play a couple of videos for you. And these are um, 
things that have been there. But here's what I find out. I love when people can take and they do like they put together a documentary or something and they put all of these clips together because a lot of times you see stuff and it's like, okay, yeah, I see that. But then when they start putting them all together, you go, oh, this is much bigger than what I thought it was. So that's kind of what I want to do this morning. And then we're going to go to scripture and we're going to see, okay, what does scripture say about all of this? Does it have anything to say about it? And it certainly does. Uh, but what I want to do is this is from, this is post 9-11. Uh, this is the U.S. government here. There is um, a fiscal year 2006 Defense Department budget that's going on. This is courtesy of C-SPAN. And um, <clears throat> this is a report on Donald, uh, uh, his, his Pentagon's loss of this $2.3 trillion. Take a listen to this. Pentagon, the day before 911. Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld declared war, not on foreign terrorists. The adversary is closer to home. It's the Pentagon bureaucracy. He said money wasted by the military poses a serious threat. In fact, it could be said that it's a matter of life and death. Rumsfeld promised change. He's the guy who's running it. The world changed. And in the rush to fund the war on terrorism, the war on waste seems to have been forgotten. My 03 budget calls for more than 48 billion dollars in new defense spending more money for the pentagon when its own auditors admit the military cannot account for 25 percent of what it already spends according to some estimates we cannot track 2.3 trillion dollars in transactions 2.3 trillion with a t that's eight thousand dollars for every man woman and child in america first question my second question Mr. Secretary, according to the Comptroller General of the United States, there are serious financial pro management problems at the Pentagon, to which Mr. Cooper alluded. Fiscal year 1999, 2.3 trillion missing. Fiscal year 2000, 1.1 trillion missing. And DOD is the number one reason why the government can't balance its checkbook. The Pentagon has claimed year after year that the reason it can't account for the money is because its computers don't communicate with each other. My second question, Mr. Secretary, is who has the contracts today to make those systems communicate with each other? How long have they had those contracts? And how much have the taxpayers paid for them? Finally, Mr. Secretary, after the last hearing, I thought that my office was promised a written response to my question regarding the four war games on September 11th. I have not yet received that re response, but would like for you to respond to the questions that I've put to you today, and then I do expect the written response to my previous question, hopefully by the end of the week. Question, please. The, um, the second question, uh, I've forgotten what the second question was. I think Ms. Jonas knows it. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Ms. McKinney. I appreciate the question. I appreciate your interest in uh, our department's financial uh, condition. And uh, we are working very hard on that program. I've just come back uh, recently. This I understand that you're working hard on it, but my question was, who has the contract? How long has that, have they had that contract? Are, and how much money have we spent on it? In general, we spend about $20 billion in the department on information technology systems. 
the, uh, the accounting uh, systems are part of that. I can get you the exact number for the record of what we spend on our current, what we call legacy systems, uh, and those that we're moving toward. And who has the contracts? Uh, that, that would be a multitude of uh, individuals. Could you name them. some, please? Uh, well, I think off the top of the, uh, my head, well, I would rather not. I'd rather provide well, that for the record. That's not privileged information, is it? I'm sure it's not. Well, please. And we still have time, so please. I would be glad to provide for the record. I don't want to talk from the top of my head. Scope is hard to imagine. Republican Congressman Daryl Issa joining us now to help us figure out what this all means. Congressman, thank you very much for joining us for happy hour. I saw you quote it. Uh, kind of, you, you're using the analogy to the birth of Christ that we wouldn't have spent as much money uh, since his birth that this uh, big old bailout. Uh, very interesting it's, to come up with that. Well, it's even worse than that. It's if we spent a million dollars a day every day since the birth of Christ, we wouldn't get to one trillion dollars. And we're likely to lose far more than that. You know, the having twenty three point seven trillion dollars at risk basically is about one and a half times all the money that every man, woman and child in America produces. The entire gross domestic products, only about 17 trillion. So this is an amazing amount of money at risk, and it's okay to have it at risk in order to get America moving again. What's not okay is what we're going to hear from the, the special IG tomorrow, which is he's being locked out of any kind of oversight, reporting, transparency, all the things we were promised. He's missing, Ed, is this. We had a national tragedy, an economic disaster that took place barely a year ago. In the last 18 months of the Bush administration, America lost $12 trillion on its net worth. That's $40,000, $40,000 for every man, woman, and child in this country. And I cannot think of a single person who's held this responsible for that. Nobody in government, nobody on Wall Street, nobody nowhere. That's the fundamental problem right now. And if people on Wall Street are going to continue to get great bonuses in good times and in bad times, we can kiss this economy goodbye. It's not going to work. In capitalism, winners have to win and losers have to lose. And nobody's been held responsible for that enormous erosion. 20% of our accumulated wealth over the course of two centuries gone in 18 months. Nobody's been punished for that. That's the problem. So altogether, 26 trillion dollars of bailouts just in those two categories, not including TARP, not including FDIC financing of U.S. institutions, $26 trillion, that's almost $100,000 for every man, woman, and child in America, all done by the Federal Reserve without any act of Congress authorizing it. All right. There's a lot of numbers thrown around here, and sometimes when you just hear it abstractly, $13 billion sounds like it's larger than $7 trillion. Which of all of these numbers, which outrages you the most and which should outrage the public the most? I think that the, we can all agree the trillions of dollars, the trillions of dollars that were extended by the Federal Reserve to the banks in a form of corporate welfare. What they did is they took our money, the U.S. dollar, the fact that they control the currency, the fact that they have control of the money supply, and for the first time in history, and I'm talking about in the 100-year history of the Federal Reserve, they played favorites. Mm -hmm. They said, we'll give $100 trillion to this institution, uh, sorry, $100 billion to this institution, another $100 billion to this institution, and so on down the line, when you and I couldn't even come close to accessing those, that kind of money on those terms. They lent out this money at 0.01% interest. 0.01% interest. Go try to get a loan like that from your bank. 
Bloomberg's report that there are trillions of dollars in off-balance sheets transactions that the Federal Reserve has entered into since last September. Are you familiar with those off-balance sheet transactions? You know, I, I think it may be um, important at this point, too, just to bring up um, a certain aspect related to our jurisdiction. And just to, to clarify perhaps some of my earlier uh, comments, we are the Inspector General for the Board of Governors, and we have direct oversight over board programs and operations, and are also able to look at board-delegated functions to the reserve banks, as well as um, it's o the board's oversight and supervision of the reserve banks. We do not have jurisdiction to directly go out and, and audit reserve bank activities. Okay. All right. So you get the idea. Every time they, they show you, they give you the reports of what they're doing, uh, that this money is unaccounted for, and all they do is deflect and divert. And you saw even Cynthia McKinney. I mean, she's a she's a Democrat over there. She's got some – there is a couple of things that I would agree with her on, and there's a whole plethora of stuff I disagree with her on. But she's trying to call them out and say, can you give an answer for this? Can you tell us who – well, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. No, you need to tell the people. You You need to give an account to the people. But they don't give an account to the people. And the people have no way of holding them accountable. They think, well, we've got representatives up there. That's what they're supposed to do. Daryl Issa. What did Daryl Issa really do? What has he done? Always oh, been on these committees that hold up, you know, paper where Eric Holder, the attorney general, won't give them the information they've asked for so that they can move forward in their investigation of Fast and Furious, which nobody was prosecuted over. They do these investigations over, you know, um, the IRS targeting, but nobody was brought any justice. They did it on Benghazi. No justice brought there. Over and over, we need more investigations. We need more investigations. Why? So you can waste our money and waste our time and act like you're doing something when you're not doing anything? And I get it. Look, our system is, the system is so corrupt, okay, that the guys who are supposed to be doing the prosecuting are involved in the corruption. So it doesn't matter if Congress takes and submits, hey, for further investigation, arrests, and all this other, here's the information. We dump it over to you. Oh, wait a minute. These are our guys. We're not going to do anything to them. We're not going to do anything to them. This is the place where we're at. D.C. is a crime syndicate. Frankly, it needs to be abolished. That's what the Declaration of Independence says is the right of the people to abolish or alter it when it becomes a threat to their liberty. And the U.S. government has been a threat to the people's liberty for decades now. It's been a threat. And one of the biggest threats that it, that it poses is through lawless money. Okay? So we have uh, several of these, um, these different... Uh, uh, Things that are going on. And this is this what you, the little clips that you saw there are born out of um, this 2.3 trillion that was missing or that was announced as missing the day before 9/11 took place. Now this is a Catherine Austin Fitz, and this is the real game of missing money. And I want you to hear this because she has a pretty good handle on how these things happen and what they do. So uh, this runs, I think, eight or nine minutes. I think. And I want you to hear what she has to say. And there's going to be a couple other things we're going to touch on. And then we're going to get to scripture as far as how this applies here. Because people need to understand there is a way that you can fix things. 
but it's going to require real repentance. And I'm not just talking about you're on your face and you confess your sin. That's, that's part of it. That is a part of it. But then it is to go back and do what's right. Not continue, not say, hey, I'm sorry about that and continue on doing what we're doing. So here's, here's Catherine Austin Fitz. This is called The Real Game of Missing Money. government accounts now have undocumentable adjustments of $21 trillion. That's approximately the size of the total outstanding debt of the U.S. government. It's approximately the size of the U.S. annual GDP. This is real money. These are transactions that the federal government booked and reported. How much is it in terms of real cash and real assets? No one really knows. These transactions involve both revenues and expenses, so the actual number could be much larger and the actual number could be much smaller. Without reliable, trustworthy financial statements, there's simply no way to know. How could a government be missing money that is greater than the size of its total revenues? Actually, it's easier than you think. The first way the U.S. government could have significantly greater revenues is from securities issued but not recorded on the government financial statements. Indeed, the bailouts during the financial crisis required $24.7 trillion in loans and bailouts, according to the TARP Inspector General. That's more than three times what would have been required at the time to retire all the single-family residential mortgages in the United States. So we know it was more than a housing bubble. The pattern could be explained by fraudulently or secretly issued mortgages and mortgage-backed securities. As the lead financial advisor of the Federal Housing Administration Mortgage Insurance Funds, I saw many patterns that persuaded me that significant securities fraud was occurring in the mortgage-backed securities markets. A second way that the U.S. federal government can have significantly more in revenues is if government accounts are being used to launder the profits of asset seizures and covert operations in war zones around the world. After all, we do have an army all around the world. What historically have armies done? They've made money for the empire. It could be drug profits from the poppy fields of Afghanistan or oil sales from the oil fields of Iraq or narcotics and gun distributions to the gangs that market, whether in countries abroad or in the inner cities of America. There's a third way that government can have significantly more in revenues and expenses, and that is if advanced technology available to the government is transferred into private hands without compensation. My efforts in trying to achieve honest accounts for the federal government started in 1989 when, as Assistant Secretary of Housing, I and my team drafted a reform proposal and persuaded the HUD Secretary and OMB to support a CFO for HUD and audit of financial statements and reporting of credit and liability programs on an accrual basis, a model that OMB was so pleased with that they in Congress then introduced it government-wide. I then helped HUD implement those changes as the lead financial advisor to the Federal Housing Administration until the honest officials in my company as lead financial advisor were forced out by phony baloney scandals when a decision was made to start emptying out the government accounts. One of the ways I hoped to stop the mortgage fraud and the financial harm it was doing to communities was by creating software tools that would help local communities map out all the sources and uses of government taxes, spending, and borrowing in their county, 
mapping your local financial ecosystems. I believe that with this information, local communities could find ways of increasing local business revenues and employment and reducing local costs by improving the performance and usage of government resources. One of the problems is the transparency of government resources threatened all sorts of political patronage. Perhaps that is why the U.S. government seized my office and stole my software in 1998. I decided to fight the phony baloney scandals. While doing so in 2000, my team realized that billions were going missing from HUD and that the excuses being given were patently false. It was clear that the honest people were forced out so that trillions in assets could be shifted out of U.S. government accounts. For many years, I and my team worked with a series of reporters to help investigate and warn investors and citizens that the government coffers at both HUD and DOD were being emptied and that the housing bubble was threatening the financial health of millions of investors and citizens around the world. We called it a financial coup d'etat. The missing money story is not about money. It's about who rules, who gets to decide. Who gets to decide whether your pension fund is funded? Who gets to decide if you can find a job? Who gets to decide if your house is foreclosed on? Who gets to decide if you have to go into debt to get a decent education? I once had a friend who told me she had no interest in the missing money. She said that peace was her issue and that she was not interested in missing money. That was my issue. I tried to explain that the missing money was the same issue. If a few people could print as much money as they wanted and steal as much money as they wanted, then they could get to decide whether there would be war or there would be peace, and that historically they had chosen war. If she wanted to stop war, she needed to cut off the funding to the people who promoted and engineered the wars. She needed to help create a system where who rules is determined by an open and transparent process not by secret budgets and secret financials and secret money. Crime that pays is crime that stays, especially now that the financial coup is blossoming into a legal coup with the development of FASB Statement 56 and radical environmental proposals that will be used to abrogate property rights, such as the New Green Deal. This will not be privatization. This will be corporate welfare and piratization on a massive scale. What these policies mean is that your tax dollars and the funds you use to purchase treasury securities or the funds your pension fund, your bank, and your insurance company use to purchase securities can be used to pay mercenary armies to seize your property and turn it over to private investors and corporations, literally. Now, if your pension funds buy treasuries with your savings, those savings can simply disappear into private hands out the back door of HUD, of DOD, of the U.S. government, and your pension fund gets an IOU that's backed by, guess who? You. By investing in securities backed only with your own property and promise, you have just turned an asset into a liability. What do you think the source of inequality is? Here it is. You might say, well, I live in Europe or Asia. Why should I care? You should care because the credit of your investments, your pension fund, your sovereign wealth fund, and your banks and insurance company is being debased as well. And your national security umbrella is threatened. 
Most of all, all of us on whatever continent we live, we are shut out from the secrets of those who rule the world. And although funded by the rich flow of our tax dollars and investments, get to control and secret the most powerful technology in the world and use it to build a breakaway civilization. Why are we funding a fascist dictatorship? One reason is because we cannot see it clearly. Another is because we do not understand the growing risks of investing in securities that are financing this machinery. The U.S. federal finances are out of control and operating outside the Constitution and outside the law. No matter where you live, this has had a dramatic impact on your life and finances for the last 30 years. It is having a growing impact on your life and finances now. It will have an explosive impact in your future as the compounding of the U.S. debt grows. That is why the time has come to understand the real game of missing money. Whatever you think your issue is, this is the issue that decides who will control what happens to you in 2019 and who gets to decide all the issues, including the ones you care about. Will it be Mr. Global or has the time come to stop funding Mr. Global's secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she presents a, a good picture of what's going on there. And there are some other things that I could get into. We're running a little bit low, low, uh, low on time here. And um, one of the things I want to do is I want to go here to what she's talking about. This is the last video. There's some other ones that I have here. I'll throw them in the archive. But for the sake of time, you kind of get the idea of what's going on here. If they're controlling the money, if they're able to print it at will, they're able to control you. That's just the fact of the matter. And if they go to CBDCs, the digital, they don't even have to do all the, the hard work of the, uh, the paper printing which means they're going to have an even bigger profit off their lawless money because the money we use is not gold or silver. It's called fiat. Fiat currency. That means it's by order. Has no intrinsic value. And that's what they're using. This is the Federal Reserve Bank. And I want you to listen to what they tell uh, Congress here. We don't have to tell you where the money went. And, you know, they're just responsible for printing it. And here it is. Mr. Provenza, you've mentioned several times today in your testimony the importance of transparency. Can you explain why that's important? I think the, the committee has uh, talked about that several times, that it, it wants to see a strategy for how uh, money's being spent and understand how it's being spent and have reporting back from institutions that it's being used for the purposes desired and and so in order to give uh, assurances to congress and american taxpayers that it's being used for appropriate uh, purposes we want greater transparency and accountability it's fair to say that when hundreds of billions of dollars of the taxpayers money is being spent the taxpayers have a right to know how yes Mr. Cohn, uh, how much has the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve increased since September 1? Uh, it's increased from around $800 billion to about $2 trillion. And uh, what was that money spent on? That money was lent, uh, it was lent to banks, investment banks. It was uh, uh, spent on uh, lending through the commercial paper market. 
and it was uh, lent to foreign central banks that lent dollars to their banks to take pressure off the U.S. U.S. dollar market. So it was it wasn't spent; it was lent. Which institutions received it, and how much for each institution? Uh, I don't know which institutions, which specific institutions received it, but uh, by categories of institutions, uh, that's uh, captured in our balance sheet that we publish each week. But we would like that in writing, Mr. Collins, uh, for the hearing record. Okay. I'm sorry, what in writing, Mr. Chairman? The answer that you didn't have right off the top of your head to that question. Okay. But I, I, I think I would... Uh, you're going to hold a hearing on this, Mr. Chairman, and I think I would be very, very hesitant to give the names of individual institutions. In fact, I think it would be a very bad idea because I think it would undermine the utility of the facilities that we're giving. But I think we should say more about the categories of institutions. Mr. Cohn, you just said that $1.2 trillion has been lent or spent, as the case may be. That's $4,000 for every man, woman, and child in this country. Don't Americans have the right to know how you spent that money? Uh, yes, they have every right to know the purposes for which we spend it, uh, the types of spending, the types of lending that's going on, uh, how the types of collateral we're taking, and what we expect to accomplish with that. All right. Well, specifically, I'd like to know how much was given to Credit Suisse and what you got in return, how much was given to Citibank, what you got in return. If you put out $50 billion to Credit Suisse, the taxpayers need to know that. I'd be very concerned, Congressman, that if we publish the individual names of who was borrowing from us, no one would borrow from us. The purpose of our borrowing is not to support individual institutions, but to support the credit markets. Has that ever happened? Have people ever said, we will not take your $100 billion because we people never, will find out about we it? We said we will not publish the names of the borrowers, so we'll have no test of that. Well, what gave you the authority to say that? Isn't that something that we should be deciding, not you? I think you uh, gave us the responsibility in the Federal Reserve Act to oversee the stability of the financial system through our lending facilities to be the lender of last resort, and we are trying to execute that to the best of our abilities. And you're saying that that entitles you to keep secret the expenditure of $1.2 trillion, $4,000 for a man, woman, and child in this country? I don't think we're keeping it secret. I think we're releasing a lot of information about it, but I would personally, I have no, I don't, you know, the I would personally be very, very reluctant to release the individual names of the bar. What do you think might happen if people knew how their $1.2 trillion had been spent? Do you think they might be angry? No, I, uh, I don't know, obviously. I think that uh, they can judge how the money is spent from what or how the money is lent from what we're telling them and whether it's having an effect. And I think it's having a positive effect in a number of markets. Uh, We've seen the commercial paper market, interbank market, et cetera. So I think it's, it's been effective, but we need to do more. Mr. Carmen, talking about secret payments of $1.2 trillion, I think you need to rethink your approach here. By the way, were these assets marked to market? Uh, some of them were. Some of them were loans. Why not mark these assets to market and let well, people know the current value of this $1.2 trillion that you spent? The ones that have market values are marked to market. So how much of them don't have market values? Market. How much of them are worthless? Uh, none are worthless. Then why don't you mark them to market? Well, we are marking the ones, we are marking the ones to market that have market values. All right, my time is up. Thank you. I, um, as I said earlier, uh, I just, for people to understand, 
This goes under the authority, as I understand it, came from a statute passed during the Depression. It was fairly dormant, at least as we know it for a while. It, uh, we were told in September, I will just, Mr. Bernanke summoned a meeting of the Congressional Leadership uh, Committee as well and announced to us with Mr. Paulson in September that they were going to uh, advance $80 billion to AIG. I said, somewhat surprised to the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, you have $80 billion. He said, I have $800 billion. He obviously was lowballing uh, what he had, maybe made some money in the, in the future. That was in September. Um, I don't think the program had been active before. Clearly, a lot's happened. And as I announced earlier, I spoke to the chairman last week. We have a hearing that we are setting. Mr. Bernanke will be up here, and we will be having a hearing specifically on this program. And I say that the questions the gentleman raised, these are now questions we will be considering. And I think at an appropriate time, we'll be looking at that statute. I think this is probably not the time with turmoil in the markets to be uh, amending it. But the subject the gentleman raised will be the subject of an entire hearing in, uh, in February. Gentlemen, Connecticut, this okay. panel... So, so you hear how the back and forth goes. You hear how whoops, you hear how there is this not wanting to answer, not wanting to give an account, and and the the representative is asking the guy from the Federal Reserve. Well, do you think people would be angry if they found out who you were giving this money to, and how and the the bills being put at their front door? Let me let me let me ask you something. What if we took that guy from the Federal Reserve and we took I don't know fifty thousand dollars out of his account and just went and and had a had a big party one night and we sent him the bill for it? You think he'd be upset about that? Yep. Yeah, he would. And I'm going to tell you, when they talk about lending money, where in our Constitution does it talk that the federal government has the authority to lend money? I guess I'm going to have to play Daniel, uh, what's his name? Davy Crockett, not Daniel Boone. Davy Crockett. I guess I'm going to have to play that for people again. It's not yours to give. Maybe I'll close out the show with that today. Just let it run long. It's not yours to give. And if you recall the story, there was $20,000 that Congress just got together, and there were a couple of houses that burned down in Georgetown, and they said, oh, we need to help these people. Now, they could have took a week's, of their, week's worth of their salary, all the representatives, put it together, and sent it to those, those people, and that would have been charitable. Why? Because it would have been their money to give. It would have been their money. But instead, they alleviated themselves of the responsibility to love their neighbor as themselves, as the scripture says, and they took everybody's money that they represented and then some and gave it to people so they could feel good about themselves, that they helped out. And a man in uh, Davy Crockett's district called him out and said, I won't vote for you. It's not your money to give. 20,000, you can give 20 million. What's going to stop you from doing that? So what I want to do is I want to just point over to this and then we're going to look to scripture. Okay. And I may look up the Davy Crockett thing and just finish that out because we haven't played that in a long, long time. And a lot of people didn't even know that story existed. Uh, but we redid it at Nicene Council when I was there back in like, I don't know, 2011 or 12 or something like that. We did it. We redid it there. Uh, and I, I'm going to look up and see if we can uh, bring that up here in just a little bit. This was put out <clears throat> just so you understand. Now, the president is the guy who signs off on the spending. He's the last guy to do it. Okay? 
And so a lot of people, you know, they'll point out, okay, the spending, yeah, Congress works it up. They put together these budgets and all these things. But it's the president who signs off on it. So this is put out by Self.Inc. And it is U.S. debt by president. Okay, now I want to go back a little bit. I'm going to start, I'm going to go at the bottom and start there. And I want to give you some of these. We're probably going to run over because I, I still have to get to Scripture, but I'm kind of I'm laying the foundation so we see what's going on around us. Because for me, I can sit here and weave Scripture throughout it, but if we don't see what's going on around us and, and how it is we got there, then we kind of go, okay, you're weaving the Scripture and we kind of see that thing, but I think it has the most impact to bring it near the end. So here's what I want to start with. This I'm going to start from the bottom up. And in case you think, well, this is just the Democrats because you've been you've been uh, controlled in your mind to think Republican, Democrat, right, left, conservative, liberal. That's the way you think. Now, I'm not saying there's not some truth in those things, but this is the way you think. If this is wrong, well, then this other must be the good stuff. And that's not necessarily the case. They both can be bad. Okay. Let me show you on the screen. This is what it is. Andrew Jackson is the president who decreased national debt the most, nearly eradicating it completely between 1829 and 1837 by reducing the total by 99.42%. Where are the Andrew Jacksons today? Oh, wait, we had one. Nobody wanted to elect him, Ron Paul. He actually, in fact, I remember in 2012, he was the only candidate running who had a budget that actually decreased the national debt. It actually started eliminating it by eliminating wasteful spending or unconstitutional spending. Okay? Only guy running. Wait, there was one other guy. He was out in Nevada. He was in the Liber he was in the Libertarian Party. But uh but of course he had other kind of policies that were not constitutional and certainly not biblical. But but Ron Paul was the guy who was out there Basically, the only one that I saw, everybody else from the Republican side, definitely the Democrat side was was spending us into debt, but the Republican side too, spending us into debt, not decreasing the debt, and um, and Ron Paul was the only one doing it. Then we go, of the 45 presidents, only 14 of them have overseen a decrease in debt. Calvin Coolidge was the last president to do so, leaving office in 1929. Franklin D. Roosevelt, in office between 1933 to 1945, increased national debt by 1,047.73%. Mm -hmm. Over a 1,000% increase in national debt. Why? With his new deal. With his new deal. Woodrow Wilson, who was president during World War I, oversaw an increase of over 700%. Then we have Martin Van Buren, president who spent the most consistently with average yearly debt increasing 375.32% compared to Lincoln's 148,000 or 148.36%. Then we have Abraham Lincoln. His years in the Oval Office saw the largest percentage increase in national debt under any president, increasing almost 3,000% overall. See, I told you he was a Marxist. Mark, it, again, if you want to identify Marxism, if you want to identify people who have that kind of mindset, I don't care what they say, 
as far as they hold up a Bible or they read a Bible passage or any of this stuff, forget that. Look at what their look at what their focus is on. If their focus is on money and the economy, they are Marxist at their foundation. If their focus is on justice and the law, then they're starting from a biblical worldview. Because God is the lawgiver and he is the judge. So you start there. If you start there, the economy stuff will figure itself out. But you got to start, you got to do the right thing right first. Okay. <clears throat> to tackle the COVID 19 pandemic, uh, pandemic, national debt was increased by a further 18%, totaling $4.25 trillion in additional debt from March 2020 to January 2021. During Donald Trump's whole presidency, now they didn't list Obama. Obama had quite a bit of debt as well. So did George W. Bush. Both of them had massive debts when they left. In fact, if I if I recall correctly, Bush left with, or he entered office with like around five trillion. I want to say I'm just speaking off the top of my head. So if I'm wrong here, you can correct me. That's fine. But if I remember correctly, I watched Bush, and Bush went through two years, and then. He went from like five trillion to ten trillion, and then when Obama came in, he came in around the ten trillion mark, and he went. He left out around eighteen, nineteen, twenty trillion. Then we had Donald Trump come in, and the U.S. national debt increased by almost ten trillion dollars, eight point eighteen trillion dollars. And he only had one term. These other two guys had two terms, and they doubled theirs. Donald Trump almost doubled, well, not almost doubled. He almost accumulated the same amount of debt as Barack Obama in two terms, Donald Trump almost did it in one. A percentage increase of 40.43%. This is less than Barack Obama at 69.98% and George W. Bush at 105.8%. However, Donald Trump was in office for only four years. Both of those guys were in for two. So see, it doesn't, you people touting Trump and Republicans as the answer they're not the answer. They're part of the problem. They're part of the same problem as the Democrats. Why? Because what they say with their mouth and what they do with their pen are usually two different things. Not always, but usually they are. The national debt so far under Joe Biden's presidency has increased by $2.5 trillion since he took office, an increase of 8.79% as of September 2022. So this gives you an idea of what's going on here. Now, We've had a whole show on lawless money. We've had a show on usury and the fact that that's God says not to do it. And America still does it. And we've got the scriptures talking about not stealing, which we're going to hit on the other side of this. So if you want to pick up this, sonsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page, or beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, or catch us on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Bradley be with you at 3, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you. All right, want to welcome anybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio, and now let's get into what's going on here. So if we go to the law that God gave, Exodus 20, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. Now, most of us understand what stealing is. It doesn't matter if it's um, you know, a piece of candy. doesn't matter if it's a car. doesn't matter if it's money. doesn't matter if it's somebody's property or whatever the case may be. Stealing, stealing. But somehow, 
people don't put that together when government steals from you. And a lot of that theft comes through taxation. And I'm not even talking about income tax. I think income tax is immoral. I think property taxes are immoral. But they're, but they're doing it. They're stealing from the people, and then they're spending on things they're not authorized to spend on under the Constitution that they have. But they do it anyway. And God says, don't steal. Don't steal. He also speaks to this issue of usury, and you can do a, a word study of usury within the Scriptures, and you're going to find all kinds of problems there when usury comes in. Now, is there an allowance for usury? Yep, we're going to show you that in just a second. But for instance, let's just take here, this is Deuteronomy chapter 23. And I want you to see the context here and, uh, and, and what goes on, okay? He shall dwell with thee even among you in that place which he shall choose in one of thy gates, where it liketh him best, thou shalt not oppress him. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. See, that is a biblical term, just for people who don't get it. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow, for even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother. In other words, if you've got your countrymen there, if you've got a fellow Israelite, not a foreigner, but a fellow Israelite, then you are not to charge him money if you lend him something. If you lend him your horse, your ox, your materials that you have, money, whatever the case may be, you are not to charge him interest. Usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. You're not to do it for your fellow countrymen. So here in America, we should not be charging interest to lend money. In fact, we shouldn't be using the money that we're using right now. It's lawless money. It's debt money. It's a curse. That's what it is. And he goes on and he says, unto a stranger... This is a foreigner who comes into your midst. Thou mayest lend upon usury. You can charge them interest, but not your, not your fellow countrymen. Okay? But unto thy brother, thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord thy God may bless thee. Well, gosh, how is God going to bless me if I don't charge interest for the money I lend? Well, God has ways of blessing people other than monetary gain, doesn't he? Of course he does. Remember, this is an, they have an agricultural society. And as such, does God not let the rain fall on the just and the unjust, the sun shine on the just and the unjust? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And so there can be a, a, a plethora of wealth that comes by other means than filthy lucre. Let's put it that way. Okay. So he says that in Deuteronomy 23, and beginning in verse 16 all the way through verse 20. And, uh, of course, we covered that in this passage. Then he says this. This is in um, 
Isaiah. This is Isaiah 24, beginning at verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with their mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him, the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly soiled. For the Lord hath spoken this word, the earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Do you see what lawless money does? It corrupts men. It corrupts the land. You know, you're hearing some of this stuff that's going, oh, there's so many, only so many years of topsoil the farmers are finding out. That's what their claim is. Well, why is that? Because we're in a society where you've got to, you got to be a producer and a consumer. You got to, you got to do those things. And so they're constantly working the same land over and over, decade after decade after decade. They're like the people of Israel. They don't let the land rest. They're producing it for monetary gain. And by the way, many of our farmers, it's sad to say, many of them have fallen into the trap of the U.S. government. We're going to pay you subsidies, just only produce so much. Let me tell you something. If the federal government would quit subsidizing farmers and farmers were allowed to grow and do what they need to do, they would produce enough to where you could let the land rest every seventh year. Let it build up its properties to produce good food. And they would produce so much food, it would be in an abundance and, and it would be cheap. But they don't do that. And now we've got them because they say, oh, well, you know, we don't have enough food. Now we've got to genetically modify stuff. And we see all the problems that that brings as well. It's everything but what God said to do. Everything but what God said to do. And what happens? Men don't learn from it. They think they know better than God. They think, oh, thanks for the advice, God, but we got this under control. And then they run into all kinds of problems. And the problems that they have, they seek to a solution for it, which is another problem. And they never repent. They won't bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They won't do that. They won't submit to his law. And that is the only answer for all of this. I mean, this really is the only answer for all of this. Let me just give you the visual. Because people still have not... I mean, it's like we see it, but we don't catch the weight of what's going on. People are angry because of the spending bills that go on that they know about, uh, especially the omnibus bills that get passed. And this is what we're looking at, guys. Look how fast the numbers move. Almost $32 trillion in debt. $32 trillion. 
It's tens of thousands of dollars on the backs of every man, woman, and child in the United States. Every one of them. I'm going to tell you, it's not real debt because it's not real money that's being spent. Nevertheless, it is used as shackles on the hands and feet of the American public. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I know obsolete. I, I get it. I get it. But the over $200 trillion are promised things. That's the difference. The over 200, this is, this is just the monetary part. The over 200 trillion that's the debt is stuff that's promised that hasn't even been spent yet, but it's being accounted for. That's the difference. It's not fake. It's just, there's a distinction between those two things. So here's the question. What is, what are the American people to do? I've told you the reason the beast has teeth is because of this fake money. That's what's fake. It's counterfeit compared to what the Constitution says money should be, gold and silver. It's counterfeit. Nobody's walking around with gold or silver in their pockets. They're walking around with a piece of paper, an IOU note. It's debt money. The only way to do it is to come out of the system Quit contributing to it in any fashion, any form. Abolish D.C. or in the first thing, and I'm talking about individuals in the first coming out of the system, or the state starts seceding. Now, I tend to think states are eventually, somebody in, in a state, and it may be Texas. You know, we had Daniel Miller on about secession with Texas. It may be Texas that do it, but I'm telling you what, the first one to step out will bring a train of states with them in seceding from the United States. But you can do it individually. It may require that you have to sell everything you've got, which is some contemplations in my own mind. I want out of this system so bad I can taste it. And if that means. I have to sell everything I got and go learn to do it the old-fashioned way, then that's what I, that's really what I want to do. I want to be wise in that. I don't want to be a fool, but I want to be wise in it. So the question is, do we want God's blessing or do we want, do we want God's continual cursing? Because that's what we're under right now. I got people say, oh, we're so blessed and we're blessed and we're blessed. You're blessed with what? Fake money? Fake men, fake women, fake governments, fake churches. What are you blessed with? Lies? Deceit? Debt? Foreigners coming in and rising up above you? Is that what you're blessed with? No, those are curses, friends. Again, go back and read Deuteronomy 28. You can see it. It's right there. It's pretty clear. Those are curses. They're not blessings. And God's been trying to get our attention. And we give him lip service as though, yeah, we got the message. But we continue on in the way we're going on. And as long as we do that, and as long as we let representatives and unelected bureaucrats like Donald Rumsfeld and some of these other cats at the Federal Reserve and, well, they aren't even part of the government. 
but the Pentagon and other places, as long as we continue to let them do what they're going to do, they're going to do it. Simple as that. And our complaining and our voting does nothing to stop them. Nothing. Because everybody they're going to put up for us to vote for is in on it. One way or the other. One way or the other. That's where they are. And they govern at the consent of the governed, right? So stop giving them your consent. Oh, if we do that, then Joe Biden's going to be in there. Well, did you give Joe Biden your consent? The people listening to this show probably didn't. You didn't vote for him. And yet he's there, isn't he? You follow what I'm saying? It's a game. It's a three-card Monty. That's what they're doing. The answer for the American people is to repent before God and obey Him. And obey Him. And quit submitting to the wickedness of this government. Because it is wicked. Quit submitting to it. And there are steps to do some of that. We've had some of those things on the show. We've covered some of these things. Steps that you can start making your approach to come out of this system. The question is, do the people want to do that? Or are they comfortable just doing what they're doing every day? I'll leave that to the listener to decide. Bradley, be with you at 3. We'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Talk to you then.